A reading from Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about, about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, well, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose. Pose for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. We know the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have, are the, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly 
while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Word of the Lord. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, when those of us who know Bishop Michael Curry heard that he had been invited to preach at the royal wedding yesterday, when we heard it, we were delighted, astonished even. We knew what to expect. Apparently, nobody sent a memo to members of the royal family, because if you watched the telecast. You saw Bishop Michael get up, 
you go to the lectern in the chapel of St. George, Windsor Castle, and begin what seemed to be a conventional sermon, but any of us who've heard Bishop Michael preach know that he is anything but conventional. And he started to get wound up until about 10 minutes into his sermon, he went into full spirit mode. And the candles next to him began to shake. And you got the sense that he was preaching the tiles off the floor. And the cameras were capturing English faces, English aristocrats looking sideways at each other, smirking as only the English can, wondering if they were being used for themselves or for other members of the royal family, and the queen sitting there looking inscrutable as usual. At the end of Bishop Michael's sermon on love, it was reported that Prince Harry said, I was amazed they didn't get the memo. Yesterday, our own bishop, who's a good friend of Bishop Michael's, our own Bishop Mark, spoke with the BBC not once, not twice, but three times. And by yesterday evening, Saturday Night Live had a whole skit around Bishop Michael Curry. Something changed. If you ever have the chance to meet Bishop Michael, don't pass it up, because he is a profoundly spirit-filled man. And when I was sitting in the House of Deputies three years ago when he was elected presiding bishop, and word came from the House of Bishops that he'd be elected, and we had to confirm it, you could feel the spirit move through a room with a thousand people sitting in it. It seemed to blow through. That's who he is. No one else but a man filled with the Spirit, ready to proclaim the love of God to anyone who will listen. This is the story of Pentecost. So too is the story of the Reverend Dr. Fran Toy, who after the royal wedding yesterday, I was over at St. John's in Oakland for a meeting, getting ready for general convention. And then we celebrated the life of the first Asian American woman to be ordained a priest who is not just a historical figure, but a living part of this diocese. She was raised up here. She spent most of her ministry here. And I had the privilege of working with Fran for a number of years in Episcopal Asia American Ministries when she was president of the council and I was her trusty secretary. Fran, interestingly enough, is one of the shortest people I know. But when I think of her, I think of her towering over me with the spirit because she is so vibrant and filled with the life of the gospel. 
always. I could rely on Fran speaking the truth in love, no matter how hard that truth was. And always, I knew that if I got together with Fran, we would pray and we would get stuff done because the spirit was always moving. Fran has been confronted with the challenge of liver cancer, not this year, but for the past several years, and she has defeated it. And now she is taking care of her husband of 65 years and continuing to love the church. And so she got together with the rector of St. John's, and they decided to throw a celebration of her life before she died, so she could enjoy it too. And as her rector said yesterday to a room filled with people from all over the world, people who knew and loved Fran, people from as far away as Toronto, Hong Kong and central New York gathered together in one place. Actually, the celebration was not about Fran, but about all of us whose lives she had touched. Or to put it more accurately in Christian terms, the lives that had been touched by the Spirit through her. Through her. That's Pentecost. That's Pentecost. I bet each of you know someone like that who discloses the life of the Spirit to you. You know them because when you get together with them, you don't know what to expect, but you know it will be good. You know you will come away from that encounter feeling more alive than when you began. you know, in some profound way, that life will not be the same after you've spent some time with that. Something will have shifted. Something will have changed. And you will see the world anew. That's Pentecost. The coming of the Spirit. The birth, incidentally, of the church. So sometimes we call this festival day the church's birthday. Dress up in red. Because we are reminded that when the Spirit came, something new happened. Something no one expected. The Jewish people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the diaspora on the day of Pentecost knew the old story. And some of you remember the old story too. You remember it, the Tower of Babel? Do you remember that story from Genesis where the world was working the way we know it to work? It was filled with human hubris. We will build a tower taller than anything. We will reach heaven. We will defy the gods. 
And God in that story is not saying, you go get him, or jumping up and down and cheerleading. God in that story is jealous. If we let them get away with this, nothing will be able to stop them. And so the moral of the story of Babel, or more like the explanation of the Tower of Babel, is why there are so many languages in the human family, because God's way of foiling this plan to usurp divine authority is to scatter all the builders of the tower by making it impossible for them to understand each other. That's the old story. That's the story of human hubris and a jealous God who does not quite understand who we are and what we are about. Pentecost is the complete turning inside and out of that story. The arrival of the Spirit brings the tongues to the followers of the risen Christ so that they may disclose the gospel to a people scattered and bring them together again. Draw all the world back into one family. Because the God of Pentecost is no longer jealous or puzzled or threatened by who we are because the God of Pentecost has lived this life, has walked among us, has eaten with us, has struggled with us, and suffered with us, and died with us, and risen again. So it is time for a new way of being. In a profound sense, not just for us, and not even just for creation, but for God too. We are suddenly knit together with the divine. And anything is possible. Anything is possible. Even an African-American bishop preaching in the chapel of St. George for a royal English wedding. It was funny to watch an interview with Bishop Michael and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Bishop Justin Welby, Justin Welby knew what to expect when Bishop Michael was invited to preach. He was delighted. But the reporter, it seemed, was having none of it. And he said to Bishop Michael, he said, so what you did had never been done before. 
What, what was the background? What motivated you? He asked him. Bishop Michael stood there and blinked, as only Bishop Michael can, and said, the gospel. And getting nowhere, the reporter turned then to the Archbishop of Canterbury and said to him, a royal wedding is among the most conventional of English things, and this was anything but conventional. What do you say to that? And Archbishop Welby also blinked and then got very animated in his evangelistic style and said, there is nothing conventional about Christianity. The leader of an established English church said that. Mark your calendars. That's Pentecost. We are not called to be conventional because there is nothing conventional when the Spirit moves among us. Watchful, inviting, pray for it, look for it. It is here among us. New life, new life with God and with the world that God so deeply. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.